0: Welcome to another edition of the Copcast Podcast. Um, we're coming to you after a strangely buoyant end of the season, even though we didn't win the league, and there was some type of weird flash of hope which lasted less than two minutes, but it was there. And to discuss this and... A little bit of a, an overview of the season. I've got uh, Shengus Kogury out in Berlin. Shengis, how are you? I'm
1: alright, mate. Doing fine. Um, I've recovered over the last few days, and um, I was never too down. I was actually in a good mood, and um, yeah, looking forward to the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, it's strange. I think everybody seemed to be in a good mood, and I think that was fairly evident in Anfield on Sunday that that everyone was just buoyant and and had loads of time for this. Bunch of lads who have been fucking phenomenal all season, and we've still got one more game to go. And chief out in Berlin, how are you feeling about the whole thing? Yeah,
2: yeah, all good, all good. It's been a been a, yeah, it's been a, a long season like so. Just kind of the dust is settling and just coming back down to, to normal after that sort of great run. And um, yeah, looking forward to the future, and sure we'll we'll have a wee chat about. Uh, what went on in the recent past as well.
0: All right. Yeah, I think so. So, Steve, Sunday, we went out against was the the best of the rest, as you were, all of these conversations around how they've taken more points from the the top six than the bottom six, and they've, they've caused so many big teams problems, and they've beaten teams like, you know, Spurs and United who well Chicago sure, you know, United well well <laughs> isn't, isn't this true <laughs> let's not no let's not get on to the United there's I do no it, comeback I could, from that <laughs> no I could do I could do an R on United and I really don't want to and I think we'll we'll maybe do that over the summer yeah we'll
2: take
0: we'll take a look at the, the top five and United um, and then but you know, in the meantime, I thought we were out there. We all knew that it was going to be unlikely that the, the Premier League was going to, going to end up at Anfield. But we, we harboured some insurmountable, unrealistic hope. And for a moment, it was there. But, but that team went out, particularly in the first half. They were relentless in that first half. Such a, such a good performance, and yeah, they dropped off the second half. But we get the two goals, Trent's great again. Manny gets a golden boot, Salah gets a golden boot. And I think more than anything else, what stood out for me on Sunday was the attitude of the players and the application to that game of football, particularly in the first half. What was your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I think they, as you, as you said,
2: I think they very much went out there to get the job done. I think, um. The number one concern for Liverpool was amassing uh, ninety-seven points, so that uh, at no point could anyone point the finger and say, "Well, um, you know, they threw it away." The chance was there, just on the on the very minuscule off chance that um, City didn't get maximum points, or um, yeah, didn't achieve maximum points on the last day of the season, which was yeah, was always a, a very very long shot. Um, so, yeah, they went out there to, to get ahead. They got ahead early, put the score uh, scoreboard pressure on City. And, yeah, I think then, you know, there was a bit of madness in the stands. Fans celebrating a goal before it had happened. And bizarrely then, the goal actually did go in kind of two, three minutes later. Um, and then there was a, another cheer. So I think maybe at one point maybe the players thought that Brighton were 2-0 up or something. I'm not sure um so it all went a bit mad because then of course city equalized 30 seconds later or something stupid and then there were two one up a couple of minutes later so i think the players lost. didn't i don't, don't think they lost a head or anything but i think uh, the game got a little bit disjointed in that period where there's all that madness in the crowd um and i think there's no doubt that it affected one or two players perhaps more than others but um you know, in the end they, they got it back together and I think to go out in the second half and, and get that second goal to make sure of the win, uh, make sure of the 97 points and uh, sign off in style, sign off what's been a fabulous season in, in style and in the manner uh, to which the, the Anfield crowd's been used to over the season was 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 really commendable because at that point they know the game's up. City are 4-1 up and, uh, you know, or 3-1 up anyway and it's... Uh, it's, you know, it's game over as far as the title race is concerned. So it's got to be a big disappointment for them at the same time. I think getting the 97 points and finishing the season with a win is, is just further proof to themselves that uh, they're not going anywhere and that uh, of how good they are and what an achievement it is. And I think that showed, as you mentioned, everyone was in, the crowd was in buoyant mood at the end. Everyone is is pretty much fired up for next season and and can't wait for that to to kind of get going. There's a sense that uh, Liverpool are back and here to stay this time. So, yeah, all good. Unfortunately, in the end, the match, yeah, a bit flat I suppose because, you know, when that chance, when when all hope is kind of extinguished, then you know, natural there's going to be a a bit of flatness for a while, but um, yeah, I think as the dust settles on the season, I don't think anyone can can look back and really point fingers and say Liverpool in any way blew a chance. I don't think with ninety seven points that would be fair in any way. So yeah, just one of them. Great season, good way to finish, and yeah, we expected nothing less. I don't think.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. They've they've been they've been absolutely phenomenal from what we thought was a starting start, we were trying to get ourselves together with this strange new formation and it was, seemed at the beginning a little bit like round pegs and square holes, but the results came and they kept coming and they kept coming and, and, and then we went off to, to Marbella and wherever else and our usual training camps and we came back and we all of a sudden we started playing four three three and and the performance and the the results have continued to be good, but the performances I I would I would say have probably got a little bit better and the way we've we've managed to dominate teams with the ball and I think really evident both in both at Barcelona and and uh, at Wolves on Sunday that. How we were able to nullify the opposition's counter attack intent for me has been a real a real staple of of how this team's evolved this season
1: yeah i mean um it's a good point you make about how the performances have improved, especially um in the latter part of the season. I think we saw and you know um we're certainly discussing this um Um, A lot earlier in the season, we were kind of predicting that, you know, when when there were certain games where we were were winning by um, one goal to nil or, for example, um, away at Huddersfield or, you know, these tight games where we were just narrowly winning or scoring one goal and not really looking incredibly um, threatening in um, in the latter parts of the game and trying to get more goals. You know, everyone was criticizing that. Uh, you know, we're not the Liverpool of last season. Our defence is good, but, you know, our front three haven't hit the heights of uh, last season and whatnot. But it was obvious that, you know, um, you know, Klopp has learned really well from his um, uh, experiences in England. I think um, it's, it's one of his great traits to um, be able to learn from uh, perhaps mistakes and adapt to certain situations. You know, when he first came... Um, you know, because of how much he demands from players. Um, we saw a lot of um, injuries happening. At one point, our squad was really depleted a few seasons ago. And, um, you know, he kind of sees the situation and adjusts accordingly. And now, I think what happened this season was that we kind of did play with the handbrakes on, knowing that, you know, where the squad is together for a longer time. Obviously, since we signed Van Dyke and um January um 2018 um you know our defenses look so much meaner especially especially the turning point was when we lost to Spurs 4-1 I think since that game our um defensive record has been incredible um but you know Van Dijk has a big part to play in that and you know since we finished last season getting to the Champions League final doing really well defensively but losing the final and then you know we had the whole preseason together and you know Robertson you know he had only been in the team permanently for a little bit more than half a season and you know like once you have all these very talented ambitious hard-working players you know together for pre-season as well and you know the coach has a better idea of you know when the players need to push themselves or when the, when they shouldn't be running too much uh, I, I think we managed the first half of this season, um, this past season, really, really well. Uh, We managed to win a lot of points um, without spending too much energy. And, um, you know, we had a fantastic December. I think we won all eight games in December. And uh, then we obviously had our drop-off. We were doing pretty well off until City. uh, You you know, City had their drop-off earlier when we were in our top form. And that's when we had the points difference. and, And then, obviously, we had our small patch of, you know, um not so nice results. We had a few draws um against Leicester and West Ham and Everton and Man United and whatnot. But afterwards, you know, I, I guess when it when it was really crunch time as we progressed to the Champions League and with all the comebacks and the, the title race where we won nine, ten games in a row, you know, the, the players did have their energies, um uh, their energy when when it was when it was the right time to use it. So I think um Klopp was really good. I, I actually remember in one of the games where, um, I can't remember exactly who now, but one of our players was harrying and chasing the ball towards the end of the game. And Klopp was like, hey, what are you doing? You need to calm down, you know, kind of telling him off not to expend his energy. And, you know, just there's no need for that. We, we already have the game in the, in, in the back. So I think um, it's been a really um, steep and very um, efficient learning curve for Klopp. Uh, he's managed the whole squad really good. Uh, we've uh, even when we did have injuries, um, obviously that's that's down to talent. Where Fabinho was able to drop back to centre back, Henderson played right back. They both did well, and you know we avoided defeat. And uh, but nevertheless, we um, the the whole staff and not just club, the whole medical staff and the physios and everyone. Um, I think everyone had a top season. The whole club, including the fans, everyone. Had a top season and you know the, the players were fit uh, they were more mature they were more together um, there was a more clear idea of how uh, we could be successful and the plan was executed perfectly it's just unfortunate that um, city won their last 14 games and you know that's an incredible achievement regardless of how classless they are and with the oil money and everything you know i i, I think it was an unbelievable achievement by them to do what they did but you know we couldn't have done it any better and um, I think you know we still have one more game to go and hopefully it will be it will be absolute euphoria I, I expect it to be but I expect this to be even better next season and who knows how many points we'll be finishing on next season let's see
0: yeah that's that's it's an, it's an interesting question the end on is to. The- where where this team can go from here and, and how much they can improve, but chief, we've we've seen this team I think evolve over the last ten months from a team that, in retrospect now, looked like they were accommodating new signings because we needed eleven players in the pitch and you know we were maybe playing. I know you're a fan of the the four two three one maybe that was more so to accommodate getting Fabinho in there and getting Kaida in there and getting Shaqiri in there and, and, and having them understand, you know, maybe they knew what they were able to do with the ball, but without the ball, were they were they actually that attuned to what they were supposed to be doing? What I've seen is a, is a real evolution in, you know, particularly Fabinho's game um coming towards the second half of the season and you would have said you would have said Kaidas before his injury. Um, do you think that this is this is a gradual move towards a really clinical physical 4 3 3 team that now has that spine with the goalkeeper Van Dijk Fabinho sitting there you get Henderson moving farther forward, and then you have the front three. And do you think that everything else or anything else that we do to that squad will, will be built around that to try and drive us forward, that, that extra small percentile that's available to us?
2: Um <laughs> some question. Um yeah, well, I think I mean the four uh four, two, three, one. We saw Claude mention that um, you know we played that uh, specifically in the beginning to accommodate Fabinho to make him feel more more comfortable um, and help him adapt quicker. And yeah, you can see that his his has come on. Um, well, not necessarily his game, but his um, his awareness of what he needs to do within our system has come on leaps and bounds, and he's now yeah. Pretty much everybody's first midfielder on the team sheet, I would say, or certainly someone you want in there for all the all the important games. Um,
0: I think he may he may be my favorite player right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he, he's having that effect on on a lot of people because he's you know he's all action, he's robust, he's he reads the game brilliantly, he snaps in, he likes to leave one on and and let his uh, opposite number know he's there. So. He's, he takes all the boxes. One, one thing I've been slightly disappointed in recently, if I'm, you know, splitting hairs, is that uh, his passing range has dropped off a little bit. But you know, I'm sure he'll get that back um, because we've seen before that he's, he's gotten arrayed like so. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's come on leaps and bounds. Kind Kyla's of slipped in there and has eventually found his feet and looked really, really good. And it's a crying shame for us and him that that he's out injured. Um Nasty one as well, to be honest. So um, hope he fully recovers and, and you know makes a speedy recovery. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see the evolution. I personally think that the four-two-three-one still offers Klopp an option, uh, particularly if he needs to rotate or should there be injuries or um, yeah um, a need to you know kind of u- utilize different players. Um, and I also think it works really, really, really well against the, the smaller clubs um, at home, particularly uh, when when it's it's good to have that uh, extra attacker in a way. Um, so we could we could very well see that we we know the four three three is is clubs desired or prep, uh, preferred style.
0: Um, it has been, which is really which is well, really strange that's- see, because that that's not what he did at Dortmund, is it? <laughs> it, it, it was, now, you, you'll know, you'll know better than me, but it was more a four two three one at Dortmund, was it not? It was, it was a bit more, yeah, with, with Lewandowski, but
2: I mean, he did switch between the the two, um, and I think he's, he's done that, he's done that with us as well, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the 4-3-3, it works we, we saw limitations earlier in the season, but I think we have seen with the emergence of Fabinho and Kaida, what I think Klopp wanted initially from making those signings, which was to make the midfield more robust, more physical, fitter, younger—you know, um, everything you need to make that to make that extra difference. I think now we're, we're seeing that come to fruition. Anderson moving forward has been been excellent; he's contributed a lot. Um, in terms of numbers, goals and assists. Um, in terms of energy, setting the tone a little bit with, with the pressing actions and, and so on. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from here. But um, you know, we we know Klopp likes physicality, and he's all about um, you know, you've got you've got the the whole counter pressing thing, you know, um, turning the ball over quickly. Um, but we have. As you say, we've evolved now into a team that uh, can can dominate other teams and does dominate other teams. Dominates possession, dominates the ball, and controls games. So the future looks bright. I mean, as to as to whether you know club is is a hundred percent focused on on one system and and um, and making that system the best possible version of that system. Only time will tell, but. Um, you know, at the moment we've got options and we'll see where he takes it.
0: Yeah, it's it's um, it's interesting what will happen to the summer and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that in, in the coming weeks. Um, there's a lot of teams already making moves. I think Lukiovic has just signed for Real Madrid yeah. for, I don't know, €60 million, 60 million Euros or something, which is seems fairly reasonable given his reputation and his output and United are trying to make moves, which is really funny because they're trying to make moves for players who 10 years ago, we they would have been able to sign, but now they're probably not going to be able to and they're going to waste a whole lot of their time, which is going to be really funny. Um, but Cengiz, it's it's got to the point now where we are literally an elite European side. And there has been a multitude of facets to point into that over the last certainly the last twenty-four months. Um, especially the last eighteen months. And given the the turmoil some of the other teams are in, maybe not turmoil, maybe that's a bit of hyperbole, but certainly the transition that a lot of, of other European clubs are are in at the moment. Do you think we are at a point now where we can literally have our pick of who we want?
1: You know, this is um, this is what I've been thinking about and it's been a, a, a point of debate um, recently as well, you know, considering so many teams are in transition, you know, Man United, you know, Chelsea, they just finished their first um, season with their new manager and, you know, they're still looking to, you know, complete their story, try and compete more. Arsenal, obviously, the two facing each other in the Europa League final. Um, you know, Emery looked like he could have gotten top four at one point and then kind of blew it, but was then back in the race. And, you know, they're going to be hungry for more success. And uh, But they're still rebuilding at the same time. Um, it seems like out of all the teams, you know, Barcelona um, now, I guess they, um, uh, they're signing Griezmann and, the leaked might be on the way, and they um, already got De Jong, so they, they they seem like they're gonna. They're already looking forward to um, um, life after Messi, if you like. Um, so. But
0: you would nearly say you would nearly say that if that is the case, then it looks like that's going to be the case. That would be pretty much them done. You know, they're not going to put their hand deep in their pockets for anything else.
1: Well, you'd think so. I mean, if if they if they manage to. Um, somehow ship Coutinho somewhere for a hundred million or so. Then um, they paid sixty, seventy odd million for um, De Jong. Uh, they're they're paying I guess 120 million is it for Griezmann and Delic would command something around 80 million. So if they sell Coutinho for hundred million and a few more players like um, I don't know if, if if they're willing to sell Semedo or um, I you mean, maybe
0: think they'd like to off, offload some of the older ones, maybe Rakitic and players like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you won't really get too much for Rakitic considering his age, but, I mean, they do always have the possibility of sending... Malcolm is one of them, maybe, or Arthur. you know, the younger players where they can get more value for. Um, so, and obviously they have, you know, they, they won the league, they're probably going to win the double. Uh, there's the award money from that. They have a massive fan base. So, I mean, if they do sell... A Philip Coutinho for a hundred plus million. Then you know they've obviously almost covered the cost of Griezmann. And then they, you know, if we can spend um, a few hundred million in one summer, I guess they're more than capable of doing that. So, um, but I mean, the thing is, even if these players are all quality players, you know, they would have one or two years with Messi. You know, where Deleek, I think, uh, was, no, sorry, Dayong was saying. Um, I just saw recently that oh, I can't wait to train with Messi and I just want to pass the ball to him all the time um, and just see what he does. You know, if, if you're going to be under, if every single player uh, who comes into that Barca team is going to be under the wing of Messi and just play under him, then, you know, the day that comes when he decides to call it a day or move somewhere, he won't move anywhere. But when he calls it a day, then. Obviously, that team is going to um, go into a proper rebuild. And, you know, who would have thought that Man United would <clears throat> be at the stage that they are right now, um, seven years after uh, Ferguson left, you know? So, it's... I mean, Messi is one of the greatest players of all time. And the, the, the day that he decides to call it a day, that team is going to absolutely change, just like what, what we're seeing with uh, Real Madrid right now, after Ronaldo left uh, the massive drop-off that they have. But... Uh, I mean the thing is so all, all these teams are even the, the, the traditionally like the, the the teams that have been dominating the last few decades um, in Europe have now gone through a phase where you know they, they've had some unbelievable all-time great players uh, playing for them and then both of them well one of them has moved and the other one is reaching towards them. so I think the tides are turning and we we seem to somehow you know after going through, terrible last decade last 10 years we're now in a situation where you can just you have at least two players in each position uh, very competitive and you know we have in the last four years we've been to three European finals um, now so it's you know that speaks for itself and we seem to be in a great state and it could just be we could just be entering a new era where you know we've had our drop in, drop in form due to our transitions. And then we managed to, after years of instability, we get our, we get our act together. And then the moment we find stability, somehow all the other teams around us, apart from Man City are somehow in transition or rebranding or whatever. And it's an absolutely great position to be. And I was saying this earlier to um, uh, Neil and the other guys in the, in the group that, you know, if we win the champions league this year, we are the best team in the world. Period. For for the year 2018-2019, we are the best team in the world. And there's nothing that you can argue against it. You know, we were lost by we lost by one point to City at 97 points, which has never happened throughout history. So, you know, to lose by one point and go on and win the Champions League by coming back from a 3-0 deficit in the semi-final, you know, that's I think um we, we, we could well be seeing um, a fantastic um, entry into a new era by Liverpool Football
2: Club, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, we seem to be, yeah, uh, we seem to be timing our run at the right time, uh, or, uh, yeah, our moment seems to be coming at a good time for once, which is nice. Um, yeah, we've, we've had our, our share of, um, of, uh, yeah, kind of badly time runs over over the years when, when the circumstances have converged against us, particularly after after nineteen ninety for for a good while. But yeah, I mean, as you say, a lot of the big traditional big clubs in Europe and the teams that have been dominating over the, the last while particularly are facing a transitional period, whether it be big players leaving or um, yeah, just things uh, managers leaving, struggling to find the, the right blend. Um, trouble at the boardroom level, whatever it may be, there, there seems to be each one seems to have a a little issue at the moment. So it could be a good time for for Liverpool. There's no doubt. We look like we're in the in the ascendancy, but in terms of um, can we have our pick? I mean, on paper. Yeah, I mean, and I would go along with, with Cengiz. You know, we, we could very well be the best team in the world should we go on to, to win the Champions League. However, we, we'll not take that for granted. If, if we don't win that competition, we'll, we'll have to reassess. Um, but to, just to get the two Champions League finals in a row is, is, is a tremendous feat. Um, so, yeah, it's not to be sniffed at. But unfortunately, with transfers, you always come up against other things other than, you know, are you the best club around and is this the best move for my career? You know, you come up against boyhood dreams and, and um, players who had idols and, you know, top clubs in particular countries and, you know, that kind of allegiance. So, you know, you're always going to come up against that obstacle of when theoretically you should be able to go out there and, you know, make an offer, a good offer and, and sign the player you want. It's not always going to work out like that, especially when when top top players are really you know elite level players really are at a premium and, and you know make no mistake that's the, the level we're shopping at. So um, I think uh,
0: the, the interesting thing there, Steve, is that is that the level we're shopping at because I was, oh
2: yeah, it, I, w- what, I was going to go on and sort of say, well, you know, maybe we you know we still need to be smart, we still need to make those. You know, Jamie sign signings, those Andy Robertson signings, and so on. But I think as you as you get better and better,
0: I think that gets harder. Would you not agree, or do you think? I think it. I think it. I think it does get harder. I think you're right. I think you know. I think it's it's that type of conversation people were having about Spurs is how do you improve your first eleven? How do you convince someone to come that's going to sit in the bench and blah blah blah? But the fact. The fact that I see here is that um, we have a number of players at Liverpool now that are absolutely deemed world-class. If you look at Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah, Robertson. Trent, we didn't buy, that's fine. Van Dijk, people thought the money was extortionate. People thought the money for Mane was extortionate at the time. But Gini Wijnaldum... If you even go back as far as Firmino, because I'm going beyond Klopp here and I'm going beyond I'm going towards this policy of how we have as a football club managed to identify footballers that have been able to improve the side, take us on to another level, but they aren't the they aren't those glamour names that are about. They aren't the next big thing. They aren't flavor of the month. If you like and it wouldn't surprise me a lot if we saw Liverpool sign two, three players, and they're not the standard that we think of as world class. They're not these Lukyovitches or um, I don't know who else is. I don't know who else is good right now.
2: Lukyovitch yeah, is an example though, and I think I think you're right. I
0: think you're absolutely
2: right. But I think a lot of I think we are looking. We're shopping in the market for the players that can can go on to to elite levels. Those who have the the high ceiling, the, the and and the will and the hunger and the real desire to to reach those ceilings and be be the best players that can be. And you know, other top clubs are are doing the same. So you, you're looking around. You're trying to you're you're trying to pick out. I mean, those players are are fairly few and far between. So.
0: It's funny, chief, yeah. because wa- this is this only came to me because I sat last night and I watched Moneyball, and if anybody hasn't seen it, it's it's uh, you should watch. It. It's a great movie, but um, it's John W. Henry owns the Boston Red Sox, and essentially he towards the end a- attempts to hire this guy who has been able to see hidden value in players, and it seems to me like. We, as the the ill-fated transfer committee or whatever it's called these days, <clears throat> they didn't get it right at the start and get that with Stuart Downies and Andy Carls, but they've managed to find some sort of middle ground between the statistical, analytical side of things and the knowledge that people in experience, with an experience in football, experience in the sport, understanding the 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 personality profile of the player. And we it just looks to me, considering, like, everybody's talked loads about Spurs, but, there's, there you know, if you talk Eric Lamellis, how much did they spend on that boy Jansen who hasn't kicked the ball in forever? Yeah, I, mean, I, I see. What, I mean, our recruitment's been fabulous. I mean... I, what I'm trying to say, Chief, is I just think... I just think there's something there's gotta be something we're doing that's that's different. There's gotta be something we're doing that other people, other clubs aren't seeing at the minute.
2: Yeah, I mean that, that's a fair point. We are we are nailing it, and I think we're we're taking a very holistic approach because I think it's very much about it's about the numbers, but it's also about the character, it's about the the, the personality, it's about the the ethic of, of the player. Um and, you know, that, obviously, a holistic approach um, is beneficial because, you know, there's no point in in having someone who's going to bang in the goals but it's going to wreck the dressing room. You know what I mean? So so it's working. Um, but, yeah, I mean, but coming back to the Stat- idea... Statistically, well, you could just go out and say Mario Riccardi if you wanted to. Well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, he's what I was thinking of, obviously, without naming him. But... Um, but um, you know, coming coming back to the idea that you can have your pick, I don't I don't think you can, I don't think you can just have your pick because I think there are there are other factors that come into play when you've got competition. If you're the only big club going in for a player, then you, you probably can have your pick. But if you're going in and and he's uh, you know a top player. At, uh, or a player with hidden value at, at say a club that's 16th in Serie A or whatever but Juve have also noticed him and they're in for him well he'll probably go to Juve and it's the same kind of thing in, in Germany if, if, if Munich are in for him he'll probably go to Munich and you know if if he comes from South America he'll probably go to Barca and so on and so on and and, and that is that is unfortunately just a fact of life it, it's a human element over the over the, the sporting element but should we be able to? Yeah. Do we need to still, I mean, do are, are we are we recruiting really well? Yeah. Do we need to change that? Absolutely not. So hopefully, you know, I'm sure our targets are well identified. I'm sure they're not players that we're particularly aware of as, as targets, you know, as always with us. Um, so we'll see. I mean, last year we had a bit of a, bit of a, an aberration in the sense that we did know that we were after Allison very much and we did know that we were after Van Dijk very much but you know, again there are, Fabinho came out of nowhere so um, you know, and, and he, at the moment he's absolutely looking like he's going to be a, a, a stalwart um, a mainstay for us over the next few years so um, yeah I'm sure they've, they've got it identified but you're always going to come up against walls of, you know, player preferences and, and that kind of uh, human element.
0: Yeah, that's that's all that's all absolutely fair. Um, I think now we are for so long we haven't even been in that conversation, although we would have liked to have thought we would be. But now we're absolutely in that conversation, and I think you're right that that players that we sign that we may sign for a lot of money might not be. The, the glamour names that, that you expect and and that would just be true to form. So look, it's 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 been a brilliant season. It's it's a brilliant team and this team can get better and I don't want to just start binning, binning people off. So Sengis, just a couple of quick quick hits from, from the Premier the Premier League season and the Premier League season alone. Who in your eyes has been and for your own reasons, be it our best, most important, your favorite, whatever player this season.
1: Does it have to be one?
0: <laughs> it has to be one. It's the rules.
1: Oh.
0: it's so hard. I know.
1: You know, it, it's it's just been, it's just been such an insane season. You know, especially with, you know, Alisson. You know, we haven't had an amazing goalkeeper for so long. So just just to see him save us so many points then obviously van dyke you know continuing on from uh the, the second half of um last season even better uh, possibly and you know henderson after being criticized so much and coming back in the in the latter parts and being so instrumental uh genie being so consistent and obviously mo and um, uh Mo Mane Money doing incredibly well as well. Uh, Trent, I, I think I think I'm, I'm I'm just gonna have to go with Trent because you know that that boy has been unbelievable. He has how many assists now? Like, I can't remember how many in the Premier League. I think he has 17 in all like competitions. 13 in the Premier League,
0: I think. 13. <laughs> it's, it's it's insane. It is insane.
1: 20 year old lad at fullback. And you know, getting that many assists, doing defensively so well against the best players in the world, you know, he's been targeted throughout the season, and you know, he's he just breathes Liverpool, he bleeds Liverpool, he's everything about Liverpool. So I'm going to give it to Trent.
0: That I can totally get on board with that, and I think it's I'll be interested to see. I, I know he's been selected for for South Gates. Um, provisional 27 or whatever it is but if I'm looking right now there's between him, Trippier and and Kyle Walker, he's he's the standout and for me he's probably the standout um, right back in Europe right now Um, it's it's absolutely insane what he has started to do with that particular position and I don't know where I heard it. It might even have been my brother said it to me, but he just said, look, at least once every game he, he plays a pass or he, he crosses a ball that you just go, wow, wow. I mean, I, we, yeah, we to- I, mean, I think if, if Young Player of the Year had
2: a sensible cutoff point, i.e. 21, I think you would be talking about the, the Young Player of the Year right there. I agree totally.
0: Um, Chief, do you have an alternative Suggestion? Uh, well, I
2: think I mean so Jengus, you've gone for you know, he's, he's, uh, there's a bit of you know your favorite in there as well as he's had a, a great season and, and you know coming through at such a young age and and, and wow, what a season he's had. But I think of, I think it's gonna be Virgil. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's just it's just Virg isn't it? You know, he's just. You know, he's not perfect. Nobody is, but he just brings such assurance. And between him and Allison, we're a completely different side now. So um, obviously, the other defenders have to, to take credit. But it was those, the presence of those two, the, the confidence of knowing that um, Allison's not gonna, really not gonna let much past him, and, and not gonna mess much up, and the that, that verge is there as well. And it, it's just opened our game up so much. So I think I'm going to yeah cap, uh, future captain I guess and uh, um yeah everybody's favorite Dutchman Dijk. <laughs> yeah
0: it's, it's it's really really difficult to argue with um I I thought I, I thought about this loads and I know we're talking Premier League but I, I watched Mane against Barcelona at home and He's had such a strong second half of the season, and he's been used through the middle. He's been used predominantly out, out the left hand side, but you know, against Barcelona with Firmino and, and Salamis, he just seemed to take it all on his shoulders. And especially, the, you know, first half he he probably the first hour he just said, "I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this by myself. I know my two mates aren't here, but I'm going to do it by myself." So, i I'd, I'd go Mane, but. Anyway, moving on. Shangus, we've scored a lot of goals, loads and loads of goals. Have you one particular favourite that stands out for you? It's a Premier League goal, is it? It has to be a Premier League goal, yeah.
1: Well, I think it's an absolutely incredible... Well, I'm not going to say coincidence because it wasn't a coincidence, but it's a fantastic thing that the two most beautiful goals we scored in the Premier League, I think... We're both against Chelsea, Daniel Sturridge and Mo Salah, but it just it just has to be Mo Salah. I, I don't think anything can beat that. Mo Salah at Anfield against Chelsea. After all the all the absurd, um, classless behavior of the Chelsea fans, nothing can beat that. But you know, we we scored some incredible goals, as you said. Um, I, in fact, I, I, as soon as we're done with this, I'm just gonna go and find out all. Uh, a video of all our Premier League goals from the 18-19 season and just watch them again. But um, I, I think it just has to be Mo Salah
0: against Chelsea at Anfield. <laughs> it's just, it's really, really difficult to dispute that. Chief. have you an alternative? Yeah, let's a think. Uh- I'm
2: not I'm never very good at remembering individual goals, but I think one that I really enjoyed, really, really enjoyed, was uh, the Alderweireld own goal, actually,
0: against <laughs> against Spurs. Love that. Love that. Yeah.
2: Mo's, um, Mo's
1: the, the, camera, the camera angle head. from the goal when he's reaching towards the ball
2: and his mouth is wide open. And he's trying to reach yeah, for the that's ball. That's it. And Lurie's dropping it onto his foot. And that, that, the whole thing, but like Mo's header just back into the into the danger area and just that comedy of errors and you know the beat Spurs with a late goal is great. For Mo to get that as a winner was great because he's had that, that wonder goal kind of which should have been a winner, almost forgotten about because they get a spawny, spawny penalty in the last seconds. So yeah, I
0: enjoyed that. Um so I'm gonna go with that one. Okay. All right. Um I'm gonna go Salah's Hat-trick goal at Bournemouth. Oh. Yeah, but
1: that's actually a pretty good one as well. Yeah, when, he, when, he, when he turns around and looks at...
0: um, What's his face? Yeah, he, he, gets, he gets kicked and then he takes it in the keeper and he stops it on the line and he kind of flicks it in. And it was kind of all around that time where people were saying, oh, one season wonder, blah, 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 and this and that and the other. And he rocks up and he scores a hat-trick and that's the third goal. And I just thought, this fucking guy, this guy, this guy is absolutely world-class. So I'm going to go that. Shite, yeah. Your man, is it Cook, jumps on his heel? Yeah, yeah. He, he literally tries to assault him. And and you can see Salah, he, he, he takes the kick and he kind of looks around and goes, you're an absolute bastard, and then beats somebody else and then takes him in the keeper and then flicks it past the defender on the line. And then he doesn't care anymore, and that's great. Yeah, pretty sweet. So look, last one, um, and Chief, you may have inadvertently answered this, but I'll start with this so I can give you a bit of time to think. <laughs> have you got? Have you got one one moment of the Premier League season? Your favourite moment? Anything at all? Could be a goal. Could be a result. Could be a fucking tackle or a save. For all I care.
1: Oh my God! Fuck! I never th- a moment of the Premier League season. And, you know, it's it's been it's been such a season that you know. At times, I, I kind of when I when I go back and look at games, I kind of get confused. On, oh, was it was it last season? Was it this season? You know, there's been so many games, but uh, it it just. Um, I mean, the the goal against Chelsea was just. You know, I I honestly like out of all the teams in the Premier League, you know, obviously, you know, we have the rivalry going on with City, and you know, we, we have all the banter stuff with Man United, but that goal against Chelsea, that that Mo Salah goal was, I mean, it, it was absolutely my my favorite moment of the season, because you know, it it meant it meant more than just winning a game, it meant more than just a wonder goal, it was. It definitely meant more than that. A message was sent. And together with the celebration and everything, um, you know, it, it was at that point of the season where, you know, we really, we really believed we we're doing really well. And, you know, it was a big challenge. We had to, we had to play Chelsea. We had to play Spurs um, uh, in close proximity. And we had the Champions League games coming up. And, you know, to win that game with that goal, you know, I, I think that was the moment where I thought, you know, you know, something's gonna happen. You know the, this this means something, but fortunately it, it wasn't the case in the league. But it it could it could still mean something uh, in a game. But that was definitely my Premier League
0: moment of the season. Yeah, again, <laughs> so man. <laughs> it's been slow. we didn't win the league, but it's been so much fun. Chief, have you anything else that sticks out other than Alder VRLs? Well, Somehow.
2: that was obviously yeah. A top top moment um,
0: because Spurs were t- were technically or certainly on paper the the toughest team. We, yeah, we, and that was that was for what that was for the ten or eleven days we're in the title race as well. I think wasn't
2: it? Exactly, and we and we ended their their title race as well. You know, which was good, and and in the end they had a very Spurs season. You know, they racked seventy one points, I think, which is pretty much par for the course for them, um, despite having. Uh, flatter to the sea slightly earlier in the season, as they yeah, are. Yeah,
0: it's it's kind of like they they from at one point of the season they came fourth in a three horse race. Yeah, that's it.
2: I mean that is it,
0: and uh,
2: is, I mean they did the same the year Leicester won the league, didn't they did an Arsenal finish above them in the end, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and finished third. So so yeah, I mean for me that was great. I wanted my moment of the season to be John Stones smashing it off Ederson's head and resulting in an own goal at the Eddie had. But unfortunately, that, <laughs> unfortunately, no, it wasn't. that didn't quite happen. <laughs> so, um, so in the lack of that, I give it that. Although, I think uh, my moment of the season might be uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer getting the United job. So... <laughs> So many to choose from, but yeah, Liverpool have been great. Obviously, the Salah moment was fabulous. I think the Sturridge goal was brilliant as well. Um, You know, Divock Origi's header against Everton—got to give that a mention. Come on, I mean, that was that was monumentally funny, and it, the fact that it completely derailed Everton's season until the next time they played us, and they got a draw, and that sent them on an upward curve. It's fabulous the fact that their season depends entirely on the results they get on us is is brilliant <laughs>
0: Yeah, so that that was mine. That was mine for all oh, kinds shit. of so, uh, well, you're gonna have to no, go it, for other one then, Dave. What, what's your other favorite moment of the season? My my other my other favorite moment of the season, do you know when do you know when there's a goal that's scored and you do something just really you you look back at yourself after the goals were scored and you were like, Why do I behave like such an absolute cockhead <laughs> whenever something like this happens? Was um Salah's goal Against Southampton, when it was 1 8 and he broke away and he ran like 70 yards. And I was like, give it to Firmino, give it to Firmino, give it (laughs) to Firmino, give it to Firmino. And then he hit it and I was like, that's not going to go in. And then it did go in and I was like literally jumping from one sofa to another. And my wife was looking at me horrified as if she hadn't. Understood what she'd bought into, um, so that was that was that was one point where where you know the anxiety and, and the stress starts to kick in and just a huge release. Um, that was that was brilliant. But look, we've we've hopefully potentially got at least you know one more moment like that in in the season to go and we'll look at Barcelona maybe maybe for just a minute because because well sorry not Barcelona we'll look at Spurs for a minute see if you said this the other, you said this the other week it's such an anti-climax yeah Spur, Spurs in the Champions League final Spurs but we'll look but we'll look at it anyway we'll look at it it should be this should be like a League Cup final or something yeah well I mean it, it is I mean i I don't want to tempt
2: fate and be and be disparaging, but it, it, it's just a little bit unglamorous. It's like, um, you know, finding out you've won a holiday and then realizing it's in Portrush. Um, so, one of them, really. Um, but, sure, it's it's a massive game for us now, a massive game for us in any season, for any club, obviously, Champions League finals. So, um, obviously... The onus is going to be very much on us to win it. We are going to be very much the favourites, and we are the favourites. We're odds-on for the game. Um, so, different um, different situation for us.
0: Normally, always the underdogs in um, in finals. First time in four Champions four League finals, I think, that we've been the favourites. Yeah, I mean, there you go. I
2: mean, obviously, we were massive underdogs against AC Milan the first time. I believe we were slight underdogs the second time, um, and you know, against Real Madrid, we were massive underdogs. And this time, we are um, we are going to be the, we are the favorites. We're the clear favorites. So it's a different kind of pressure. Um, hopefully, it's, it's it's a good thing because I think we've been. I mean, I think also Jurgen Klopp isn't used to being the um, The favourite in finals uh, with Dortmund, obviously, in the Champions League final up against Bayern Munich. Obviously, Bayern Munich were the the favourites there. Um, You know, even us against City in the League Cup final. uh, Obviously, City were the favourites there again. So, maybe that's coloured a little bit how he's approached finals, in the sense he's been, perhaps, overly pragmatic in them, we could say. Um, In certain certain, uh, regards, anyway. Um, the one that maybe uh, sticks out a bit there is the Sevilla one. Maybe that that was a little bit different, but yeah, we'll see. Um, you would hope and expect Liverpool to to be able to do the job. It's um, I think we'll play on the front foot. I think we'll look to dominate the game. Uh, it'll be you know it would be interesting to see how much Spurs have got left in the tank because we talked about conditioning. From at the very start of the the podcast, and uh, I think that the, the thing we've seen uh, from the results uh, this season and from the form with our eyes our, ourselves is that Liverpool have peaked at the right points in both parts of the season. You know, it was mentioned, has mentioned earlier, eight wins in December, and I think we have finished the season there with eight wins as well, or uh, something akin to that. You know, in the Premier League, so we look. Whereas last year it looked like it was a massive effort for us to to almost field a, a fit side in the Champions League final. I think this year we're going to be fitter, stronger. We're going to have more options. We're going to be um, you know, battle-hardened from last year. We're going to be that extra bit determined that it's not going to slip away from us again this year. Um, so I, I hope and envisage good things for Liverpool. I can see us lifting number six. I don't want to be complacent or or feet in any way, but I think maybe you know for Spurs getting to the final, it's a bit like us last year. They they didn't expect it. Uh, as even even in the semi final, they they didn't expect it. You know, with half an hour ago, half an hour to go, they didn't expect it. So that release might just be their final in a way, and you know, it, it's going to be experience for them. And obviously, you know, they're a tough test. But hopefully Liverpool have the, the quality, the strength and the experience to to, to get number six back to uh, back to Liverpool, back to Anfield.
0: So it's, it's it's an interesting point that the Chief makes about the experience, particularly from last year. And Klopp seems to have this knack of of turning difficult situations into positives and it would be a really lovely bookend. I think that that this run that we've seemed to have gone on unsustained over the last probably eighteen months seems to seems to have started with the Spurs debacle at at Wembley, where we get hammered four one and this could end that transition. Uh, with Spurs in the Champions League final, and and how much experience do you think we've garnered in the last eighteen months, particularly with the final last year under our belt, and, and you know is that is that going to make a difference come the first of June?
1: Uh definitely, one hundred percent. I mean, um, it's a it's a great point you made with um, the irony that you know since that four one loss at White Hart Lane, you know we we've. We've transformed as a team, as a unit, as how we, um, uh, as how we defend and um, how we manage games and everything. So it would be really, really nice to teach Spurs a lesson after they kind of stimulated us to um, kind of become more solid. So, but I think experience definitely has um, a big, big part to play. You know, when we played against Real Madrid, um, I think it, it's their experience that won the game. I mean, obviously Ramos. Um, injures Mo but even even the way he injured Mo Salah is experience I mean it's it's absolute garbage behavior but nevertheless it's still experience it's sneaky enough to kind of make it look not obvious or um, you know um, uh, on purpose or anything but he still uh, got what he wanted and that completely kind of shook us and you know our inexperience of the game kind of cost us but you know you can't really do anything you know they'd won it uh three times already in a row and um you know so many experienced players and they're knowing how to manage each game and regardless of the result they know how to behave so we have we've come through so much and you know um you've seen how much it meant to mo um in the uh in the barcelona game when he was wearing the never and never give up t-shirt which has become quite popular by the way um but you know it's after going through all all the, all those tough situations and um, heartbreaks and you know the players matured even more they wanted even more and they have the experience of actually being in there and you know kind of being able to predict what can kind of obstruct your game or you know just in general being ready for every kind of situation so um, and you know um Chiellini and Juventus also um mentioned this uh when they um when they knocked out um Man City was it last year um and you know he said you know experience does count for something and um it's just you know I, I it's definitely not a coincidence that Liverpool has reached so many European Cup finals I, I mean obviously um this year were their last year and then um uh, previously in the Europa League and um, then you can go back to 2007 and uh, 2005. But, you know, we do have the experience and is it Spurs' Spurs first European Cup final? Is that right? I guess so. Yeah, Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, they're up against a big, big task. And I think this time, you know, as, as Neil mentioned earlier, for the first time, you know, uh, in, in four games, uh, in four finals, as you also mentioned, that, you know, we're going to be favorites going into it. And we have the experience as well. So um, hopefully not tempting fate or anything um, and not being complacent. Hopefully the experience will make the biggest difference because Spurs do have the quality and they do have the players to hurt. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, we do have a bit more quality. Uh, there's no doubting that, but I think it's not necessarily the quality but rather the experience that will count on the day
0: well let's hope so um, so yeah um, it's, it's been it's been a 97 it's been a 97 point season and we haven't won the league um, it's absolutely absurd but what a fucking bunch of guys what a bunch of lads this team are um, and you know i Andy Robertson said it after the after the Barcelona game. We what a team this is, and, and and what a team this is, and um, we've got one more game left in the season, um, and I hope for the sake of this team that you know they can be recognised for for the season that they've had because um, never mind the fans, never mind. The media, never mind the narrative. This team deserves to win something this season, and let's hope on the first of June we're all we're all celebrating that. Thank chief. Pleasure as always. Nice one. Was fun.
1: Yeah, man. Have a good night. Um, looking forward to the next time we
0: have a chat because it's it's gonna be a nice one. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. So listen, um we'll probably do something just before Barcelona. So um Spurs. Not, not Barcelona, it's Spurs. It really is such a fucking anti-climax. <coughs> oh, right, all right. Spurs and it's We'll come to you before Spurs <laughs> in the league in the League Cup final on the first of June. Up the fucking ninety-seven point rates Good night